What I'd like to do is just kind of do a brief review of what we covered last week to get us into uh, this week. So uh, bear with me for just a moment. Uh, Maybe you didn't get to be here last week as we started this one. So this will catch up till today. And if you were here, just uh, check the weather while we go through this, okay? Just whatever you feel comfortable doing. Or you can listen intently and hopefully catch what you might have missed a little bit last week. Uh, Joy in July and beyond, believe it or not. Say believe it or not. Believe it or not, we're finishing Philippians today. Unless Paul has a chapter 5 that we don't know about, we are concluding chapter 4 this morning in what began as joy in July, dot, 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 beyond, has beyond it all through the month of August and halfway through the month of September. I really did not see all that coming. I I thought, surely to goodness, we can take four weeks with four chapters and, and do what we need to do. But I'm glad the Lord knows best, don't you? And I learned a long time ago just to let him have his way. So, finding joy. The concluding sermon from this series is finding joy even when you don't know what's next. Honest question. Do you know what's next? Now, we certainly know what lies in the future because we have the Word of God. But we do not have an exact timetable, do we? We know that all of time is in God's hand and God is directing all things because He's sovereign God, He's providential God. Everything is going according to plan. If you think the world is out of control, if you think nothing's going according to plan, then just be reassured that everything is in control, it's in God's control, and everything is going according to plan, and God is sovereign. He sat on His throne today, and He did not wake up this Sunday morning... September the, what is it, 19th I thought it was, but for some reason 17 was popping in. God did not even wake up at all, but God did not go into this day, September the 19th, Sunday morning, wondering, wow, I didn't see that coming. What are we going to do about that? No, God is sovereign. God is in perfect control. And the thing I want you to know, if you don't get anything else out of the book of Philippians, get this. If you don't get anything out of any of the Bible besides this, here's what I want you to know. God loves you. Knowing that God loves us should sustain us through anything we can possibly face in all of life, right? That God loves you and that God loves me. Uh, In Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, we find the great uh, commandment the great commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples and thus gave to the world and gave to us. And I just want to reshare this with you this morning. Jesus said, And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. I love the word all in this, right? God deserves our all. Can I get an amen? God deserves our all. Why? Because God gave his all for us to demonstrate how much he loves us and how much he cares for us. So in return... The least we can do is love God back with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And he said the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. Is a commandment a suggestion? What is a commandment? 
It's an order. It's a command. This Jesus. Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's Jesus. Jesus was with God. All things were created by Him, and nothing that was created was created apart from Him. So Jesus, the Creator, is given a command to the created ones, and if Jesus, the Creator, is commanding the created ones that we must do this, that we must love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, then what is our duty to do that? I can only speak for myself. I do love God. I do love Jesus Christ. But there's times that I would honestly have to say I don't love Him with all of my heart. That I don't love Him with all of my soul. That I don't love Him with all of my mind. And I'm not loving Him with all of my strength. There's always room for improvement. I can always love Him more by Loving the world less. And God is saying, I love you. And I want you to reciprocate that love. I want you to love me in return. And I want you to love me the way I love you. With everything you've got. With everything you've got. And I want you to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. And again, Paul is talking about joy. Joy, regardless of what we face in life. Joy, regardless of our circumstances. Joy, in spite of what's taking place in the world. Joy, in spite of who's ruling the world. Joy, no matter what. God says, I want you to know I love you, and because I have an everlasting love for you, that love should produce joy in your heart and in your mind and in your life no matter what you face and no matter what you go through. But in order to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and all of our strength, then we cannot love anyone or anything else as much as we love God. Is that true? That's true, isn't it? Because if we're loving Him with everything, what's left? Exactly right. But see, if I'm loving God supremely, well, brother Steve, if you're loving God with all you have, how can you possibly love your neighbor as much as you love yourself? Because as we exhaust all of our love toward God, God's love reciprocates back to us and we love other people with the love of God that He gives us in return. See, I love my wife best when I love God most. Because when I love God the most, I love my wife the way God loves me. I'm willing to lay my life down for her. I'm willing to do anything in this world that's not illegal or immoral. Now, I love Michelle, but I ain't going to jail for her. Okay? I'm, not, I'm just not doing it. But anything short of anything illegal or immoral, I'll do for Michelle because I love her, but I love her so much because I love God so much. I love my children. I love my grandchildren. I love my mother. I love my in-laws. I I even love Shannon. Now, that, that proves that there is a God. That proves that there is a God. And, and, and I can love Shannon because I love God. See, if I didn't love God, I couldn't love Shannon. So there is a God. No, I love her. Why, shame on me for loving Shannon. I mean, hey, 
I do. I love her with all of my heart. Because I love God the most. Because I love God the most. So I can't love the world and love God at the same time, can I? Paul, in his letter to the church at Rome, the Christians in Rome, he says, if you truly want to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if you really want to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, if you really want to be full of joy all the time, no matter the circumstances you find yourself in, and goodness gracious, what a place the church at Rome found themselves in. Being fed alive to lions and tigers and bears, having to fight for their lives in the Colosseums, Nero has come against the church as no one had ever came against the church before. And once Christians were killed, they were hung on on lamppost and set on fire and burned for night lights. We've not seen anything yet, folks. We, We can't cry persecution yet in the United States of America. Just because someone who disagrees with us hurts our feelings, that's not persecution. We've not seen persecution yet, although we may see it in the very near future. People around the world today who cannot assemble such as this, that's persecution. People who today publicly cannot say, I love Jesus and I am a born-again believer with the fear of having their head chopped off, that's persecution. Right? We need to be thankful. We need to give God praise and glory for the freedoms we still have in the greatest nation, the United States of America. And in the meantime, we need to pray hard. We need to love hard. We need to love God supremely. We need to love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. And we need to be true to the Word of God. And Paul says, if you want joy all the time in spite of your circumstances, and if you want joy even when you don't know what's next, do not, say do not. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. We've got to reprint these anyway here shortly, but let me just show you what conforming looks like. I'll I'll use this. See, this this is a nice flat piece of paper. It's ironed. It's not wrinkled. It's not anything. But if I were to take this piece of paper and begin to wrap it around this water bottle, what begins happening to this piece of paper? It, it begins looking like that. Now, it looked like a piece of paper a minute ago, didn't it? But what does it look like now? Because I conformed it to that water bottle. We're to be conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ. By loving Him supremely and by loving our neighbor as much as we love ourselves, we're to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, we're to love God like Jesus loves God. We're to, we're to love our neighbors as much as Jesus loves his neighbors. We're to love like Jesus. We're to live like Jesus. We're, we're to do life like Jesus does. And that cannot happen if we're conformed to the world because you cannot be conformed to the world and be conformed to the Lord at the same time. Can I get an amen? Don't be conformed to this world. Instead of being conformed, be transformed. Be transformed By the renewing of your mind. We talked about this last week. Life change begins in the mind. Because as we think, so are we. 
when we begin to think God's thoughts after Him, when we begin to think how God thinks, then we begin to live godly lives and we begin to love like God loves. Can I get an amen? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, test, test these things out. Know, know that God is telling the truth. And as you test these things, you will learn to discern what the will of God is. So God allows us room to make mistakes, doesn't He? God gives us the ability. God gives us free agency. God gives us the ability to make decisions and thus make mistakes and make decisions and make right decisions. And when we make wrong decisions, we're testing and we're learning those things and we think, oh wow, that, that's not the will of God for my life because I'm a child of God. Oh, wow, yes, that is the will of God for my life, so I'm not going to be conformed to the, the world. I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, and I'm going to discern what the will of God is. And when I know what the will of God is, then I know what is good and acceptable and perfect in the eyes of God. And that will produce joy. Remember where joy comes from? Joy comes from Jesus, doesn't it? Joy comes from Jesus. So last week we began in verse 8 with these words finally. Paul says, I'm bringing this to a close. Finally, brothers and sisters, faith family, whatever is true, he, he's going to tell us what he wants us form to the world, what we should be thinking about. Does anyone in here think throughout the day? So uh, that was a silly question, but I wanted to get you thinking. Uh, here's a real question. How many of you all think too much during any given day? We talked about that last week, didn't we? Who, who has the responsibility to control what you think? Huh? Why do you give that away so easily then? Huh? Why, why do we spend so much time absorbing what the world is saying when we know exactly what God has already said and where God already said we're going and how we're getting there? Why are we so worked up and troubled about what the world is screaming at us when Jesus is whispering to us, I have chosen you, you are mine. I've gone away to prepare a place for you. And the very moment it's completed, I'm going to come back and get you and take you where I am. And we're going to spend eternity, eternity there with God the Father. Do you believe that? No, 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 no. Do you believe that? Then, then why are we so tore up? Why are we so distraught? It surely does when we're conformed to it. But when we're transformed by the renewing of our mind through the Spirit of God in us and the Word of God in our hearts and in our minds, then now we're thinking God's thoughts after Him. And God says that we are a chosen race. Say, I'm a chosen race. Say, I'm, a, I'm part of the royal priesthood. Absolutely. 
Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. And he has forgiven you totally from the top of your head to the tip of your toes. You're forgiven for all of eternity. Paul's going to tell us in the closing verses here, you're a saint. And he has went away to prepare a place for us. And he is coming again to receive us unto himself that where he is, we might be also. Whatever is true, the world is not telling you truth. Stop listening to the world. They don't know how to tell the truth. They are of their father, Satan. And Satan is a liar. And that's all he knows how to do is tell a lie. And the world are his disciples. The world is Satan's disciples. Stop listening to them. Think about what is true. The Word of God is true. Think about what is honorable. Think about whatever is just and pure and lovely and commendable. If there's any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, I asked you a while ago, who's in charge of what you think? Then take charge of what you think. Now, if you watch the morning news, the noon news, or the evening news... Are they giving you what is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent? Are are they giving you things worthy of praise? Walk away. Walk away. Are y'all hearing a bell? Even so come Lord Jesus, I was just... He's going to let me say bye. You know, I'm... I love you folks, see ya. Think about these things. And here's what we covered last week quickly. Number one, and you're listening, God, if you weren't here last week, you can fill these in quickly. I'm not going to go in depth. I'm just going to give you the first three that we covered last week. Then we're going to jump in on number four. Love God with your mind. Love God with your mind. Jesus told us that and Paul reaffirms that. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. So what? mind and strength so when we're thinking about these things then it's going to transform our mind and we are going to begin loving God with all of our mind because we're not conformed to this world but we've been transformed by the renewing of our minds by renewing our mind daily with the word of God love God with your mind Jesus in his uh uh Priestly prayer in John chapter 17. He's he's asking of the Father, Father, will you sanctify the people that you've given me? God, will you sanctify the church? God, will you sanctify these disciples? Will you sanctify everyone who knows you in truth? Now, sanctification is a purification process. It's the renewing of the mind. It's not being conformed to the world. It's the opposite of being conformed to the world. It's being transformed by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit with the Word of God in our hearts and lives, God sanctify them, make them not of the world, but make them just like me, Father, and do this with Your Word because Your Word is the only truth there really is. Then Paul went on to say, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Paul says, I'm pouring my life out to you. I'm pouring my heart out to you. I'm pouring out to you what God has told me to tell you. And Paul is saying, what you've learned from me, what you've received from me, and what you've heard from me, and what you've actually seen me practicing, because if you're not practicing what you know, then you're living a ridiculous life. Amen? 
what you've learned, received, heard, and seen in me. Practice these things. And as you practice what you know God wants you to do, then God fills your life not only with joy, but with peace. How many in here could enjoy a little more peace in your life? Well, stop doing it your way and stop doing it Jesus' way and see if Jesus' way doesn't produce abundant peace no matter what's going on in your life and, not, and no matter what's coming down the pike that we don't know yet. We can have peace and joy no matter what. No matter what. Why? Because we know Jesus. And Jesus is peace and Jesus is joy. And our life can be filled with joy and peace simply by knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, trusting Jesus, walking with Jesus, abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. But don't be conformed to the world. Turn the world off Turn Jesus on and watch your life be transformed overnight. Overnight. And the peace of God will be with you. And the point that we see here that Paul is giving us is we are to love God with our obedience. If we love God, we will obey God. Is there a good place for an amen right there? Now, if... Obeying God is one of the ways we prove that we love God, then living disobedient to God shows that we don't love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Is that that a correct statement? If we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we're going to love Him with our mind, and we're going to obey Him, we're going to follow Him. But if we don't love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we're not going to live in obedience and we're not going to have joy and we're not going to experience peace. And folks, I don't know any other way to say it than it's up to you. It's up to you. And I want to encourage you today, let's do it Jesus' way. Let's do it the Lord's way. Let's do it God's way. Let's live in peace. Let's live in joy. And let the world be the world and let's be the children of God. Amen? It's the most wonderful time to be living as the church right now in 2021. Is the darker it gets out there, the brighter we shine. What an opportunity we have right now to be the church. To be different. Say different. To be different. Say different. Third time's a charm. To be different. Say different. The church is different from the world. Amen? Amen. Love God with your obedience. James, the, 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 the kid brother of Jesus, he said, be doers of the word and not hearers only because if you're hearing and not doing, you're living a deceived life. If you call yourself a Christian, but you're not loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength... If you call yourself a Christian and you don't love God with your mind, if you call yourself a Christian and you're not living in obedience to God, you're deceived because you're not a Christian. Because you're not a Christian. Christians are new creatures created in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, old things have passed away. Behold, huh? Are new. Is that the Bible? Is that the Word? Be doers of the Word. Then Paul goes on, verse 10 through 13. I'm rejoicing. 
Wow. 800 miles separated from his faith family. Poor, destitute. Living in a dungeon. Chained to a prison guard. Has no idea if he has another meal coming his way or not. Has no idea if he has another hour to live. Has no idea what's coming in the future other than he knows Jesus Christ is coming to get him one day. And that's enough to keep him full of joy and full of encouragement and full of love and full of peace. Paul, in these closing words to the church at Philippi, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now, greatly ain't slightly. Paul said, man, I'm I'm so full of joy. I can't stand myself. These prison guards think I've lost my mind. And I have. I've lost my old mind. I lost the mind that was controlled by the world. I lost my mind that was conformed by the world. But now my mind has been transformed by the renewing of my mind through the work of God and through the work of the Holy Spirit. And because I am transformed by the renewing of my mind, I'm rejoicing greatly at length. In other words, it doesn't end. I go to sleep joyful, I wake up joyful, I dream joyful, I daydream joyful. Paul says everything about my life is peace and joy. Why? I know Jesus. I've rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length with you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need... For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. You don't know how bad I want to dive right back into this and spend an extended period of time preaching on contentment because I'm afraid the church suffers greatly today because Christians do not know what Paul is talking about and we're not living in contentment. We're living in want. Want is different than need. Can I get an amen? amen? Not that I'm speaking. Paul said, hey, I'm not talking about being in need. Because I've learned that whatever situation I am in, to be content. Why? Because whatever, whatever God decides He wants me to have at any given moment of time, He is my God, I am His child, and I depend upon Him 100% truly and wholly to provide everything that I need. Can we say that? We should say that. We should say that. He said, I've learned to be content. He said, I know. I know from experience how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In other words, Paul says, I know what it's like to crawl on the ground, and I know what it's like to soar with the eagles. I've had plenty, and I've had nothing. And when I had nothing, I was content with nothing. And when I had more than enough, I was content with more than enough. And I've learned to be content with no matter what, because I'm content with God. Because I'm content with Jesus. And when you're content with Jesus, guess what you don't have? You don't have wants or needs. In any and every circumstance, say any and every circumstance. In any and every circumstance, Paul says, I have learned by the renewing of my mind in the Lord Jesus Christ. I've learned the secret. Did you know there's a secret to this? But guess what? The secret is out. 
The secret is out. The secret's been out for 2,000 years, so it's not secret anymore, is it? I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. Hmm. Hmm. What, what could this secret be? Is it, is it a powerful, strong U.S. economy? Is it the power, is it the worth of the American dollar? Is it the right party in the White House? Is it the right party in control of the Senate and the House? Is it the right party sitting in the governor's mansion? Hmm. Is it anything found in this world? Hmm. Could have fooled me. What could it possibly be? Could it be Jesus? I've, let's take a vote. We rarely get a vote around here. We, we, had a, we had a membership meeting a couple of weeks ago, and guess what we didn't do? We didn't even vote. So I know you folks are really hungry to vote, so let's take a vote. How many, how many would say by the uplifting of your right hand that, that this secret is found somewhere in the world? Let me see your right hand. Boy, I'm so glad. How, how many would, how many are going to go with Jesus? If you believe it's Jesus, let me see your hand. You going with Jesus? I'm going with Jesus. I believe Jesus wins this morning. Amen? Aren't you thankful? Look here. Folks, sometimes you learn a verse so well that it loses its meaning. Sometimes a verse becomes so familiar that you, you just say it from memory and there's no heart involved in it. Paul is saying, I have learned the hard way. I can do all things through Him, the Lord Jesus Christ, who strengthens me. I can, I can live through a pandemic because Jesus supplies my every need. I can live through times of being dead broke because Jesus is my strength. I, I can live through times of abundance because Jesus is my strength. I, I can live when I know what's next because Jesus is my strength. I can live in joy and peace when I don't know what's next because Jesus is my strength. I can do all things. What does all mean? Yeah. I can do all things through Christ. Now that's part of the secret. Christ in me, me in Christ, me in Christ in the Father. Now we're doing things through Him. Right? His power, His strength, His wisdom, His guidance. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What he's saying is, love God with your contentment. Love God with your contentment. God, I don't know what holds tomorrow, but God, I know who holds tomorrow. Amen? And then Paul goes on to say in verses 14 through 20, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, that is, when I first came to Macedonia, when, 
when, when God first sent me there to share the gospel with your community and we established a New Testament, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, God-fearing church there, when we, when we established a church there at Philippi with the gospel, when I left Macedonia, after I spent my time there with you, when I traveled on to plant other churches and do other things that God led me to do, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except for you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. And he said, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. He said, I have received full payment and more. He said, I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And, and just like the verse we just saw a moment ago, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Here comes another power verse. Paul says this, And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Not only, Paul says, not only can I do all things uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ who gives me strength, but because you have partnered with me, I don't have want and you don't have want because when we're in partnership together and in partnership with the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ supplies all of our needs and we supply one another needs through our love one for another. See how that works? He said, to God, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Number four, number four. Now we're digging in. Uncharted territory for the day. Love God with your partnership. Love God with your partnership. Paul said, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. Do you know what kindness is? True kindness, biblical kindness, Christian kindness. Kindness is sharing in the trouble of others. Brother Steve, I've just learned it's best to stay out of other people's troubles. Not necessarily. As Christians, we are to run to other people's troubles and through the Lord Jesus Christ help, make, help meet their needs. Can I get an amen? We don't run from trouble, we run to trouble. We run to people in trouble to love them and help them and shore them up. As Christians, here's what we don't say. Well, that's your problem. You made your bed, lie in it. That's your burden to bear. Now, here's what we say. As Christians, we say, I'm here to help. I'm here to love. I'm here to serve. And why do we say that? Because we have a God who showed up in our life when we were in the worst trouble any human have ever found ourselves in. And God says, listen, I'm here to love. I'm here to serve. I'm here to help. And as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank God's thoughts after Him. And since God shows up in times of trouble to love, help, and serve, Christians show up in a time of trouble to love, help, and serve. Can I get an Amen. Paul said, yet it was kind of you. Kindness, kindness is sharing in the troubles of others. Paul said, it was kind of you to share in my trouble. 
And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. This is a sad, crazy statement to hear Paul say. Paul has risked his life again and again and again to establish these New Testament churches. And of all of the churches that he's established, only one church is in partnership with him. Only one church is running to his aid when he's in the most trouble he's ever been in. That means that Corinth and Galatia and Thessalonica, all of those churches that he's writing to throughout the New Testament are churches that he's founded and planted, but they refuse to partner with him. He brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to their towns. Why are they not partnering with him? Are they conformed to the world? Have they not been transformed with the renewing of our minds? Have they forgotten what Jesus commanded the disciples and the Christians and you and I to live by? The great commandment to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves? Thankfully, the Philippians knew this and they practiced this. They were the one faithful, devoted group of people who no matter what Paul was going through, they were partnering with him. And he's commending them. He's thanking them. And he goes on to explain the heart of exactly what he's talking about here. He says, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So when he's in Thessalonica, why why isn't the church of Thessalonica meeting his needs? What he's talking about here is this. Vision requires provision. Say that. Vision requires provision. Ministries need fuel. Just like cars need fuel. Ministries need fuel just like human bodies need fuel. He's saying you provided that fuel and you've been generous to do so. He said, I have received full payment and more. I've received everything I've needed, and I even have surplus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Has God ever showed up and gave you much more than you needed? He's quoting the Old Testament here is what he's doing. He's teaching them biblical principles that they must live by. If you study the Old Testament, there is no occasion Say, no occasion. There is no occasion where someone comes to worship God empty-handed. Come on, church. Nowhere in Scripture do people show up to worship empty-handed. In the Old Testament, you'd either bring your tithe or your offering. The tithe, the 10%, the offering over and above the tithe to meet special needs or special projects to fulfill the vision. Paul is saying that they've been faithfully giving their tithes and their offerings, and that's an act of worship. Singing is an act of worship. Preaching is an act of worship. Loving your neighbor is an act of worship. Meeting needs is an act of worship. Everything we do that the Bible calls us to do is an act of worship 
which means worship just doesn't happen on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or Sunday nights or whenever a church gathers, whenever the people of God gathers. Worship should be a 24-7 lifestyle, 365 days a year. And you should be known, you should be known, you should be known as a giver, not a taker, if you call yourself a Christian. Can I get an amen? They're givers because we're never more like God than when we're given. For God so loved the world that He... And what did He give? His... Only begotten. He gave all He had. Huh? If God called on you, I'm not saying He's going to, but if God called on you today to give everything you've got, would you give it? God did. God did. He goes on to say, I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. In other words, you sent me a financial blessing because I'm rotting in a dungeon. And when you sent it, I received it, but God saw it. And God saw your love, and God saw your concern, and God saw the gift. And as God saw it, it was a fragrant offering and a sacrifice that you gave, which was acceptable and pleasing unto God. And he said, and my God will supply every need. Do you believe that today? Now, we've got we to gotta get real here for just a minute before we move on. Paul said, and my God will supply every what? Every what? Okay. Do you see greed anywhere in that verse? He said need. Need? God provides needs. God never provides greed. There's a lot of Christians who are very angry and frustrated and disappointed with God Because although He has met your every need, and your greatest need in your life was the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and if He's willing to supply that, I think He'll keep you clothed and fed. I think He's more than capable. So our greatest needs have been met. Can I get an amen? So anything beyond that would be considered greed. Greed. This goes back to contentment. My God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To God our Father be glory and forever and forever and forever. Now he's talking about partnership here. He's talking about partnership. If you've ever owned a business, if you know much anything at all about a business, think about it in accounting terms. Think about it in corporate terms. What's the difference between a customer and a partner? 
A customer comes in to take. A customer comes in to get. A partner is there to invest. To invest. A partner is invested and cares about the well-being of the organization. But a customer comes in to take what they want and get what they need. Now, why is Paul teaching this principle here? Because he's speaking to the church. He's speaking to the saints. And he's teaching them this valuable, valuable lesson of the difference between customers or consumers, we'll call them, and partners. Here's how it works in the church. At the end of the day, only the Christians, say Christians, only the Christians should be partners. And the non-Christians should be the customers. We don't ask non-Christians to pay the mortgage on the building. Amen. We don't we don't we don't we don't ask non-Christians to to pay for the technology, to pay for the live streaming, to pay for the internet services, to pay for the software that we can broadcast the gospel around the world every time we meet. We we don't ask the lost people to pay for that. We assume the responsibility for that because we're partners. They're consumers, they're customers. If somebody's in a crisis, we don't charge people who come here for biblical counseling. We don't charge them by the hour. No, we freely give them biblical counseling and tell them what the Word of God says to them. So when Christians think like customers instead of partners, then death becomes a process. And it settles amongst God's people. Right? That's why our congregation doesn't put out publicly what we send Anita financially. We take care of that weekly as we come in this place, don't we? For a time, we used to do a community meal and and we didn't charge people to come here and eat. We gave them free meals, didn't we? And who bought and paid for those? The partners. And we were feeding the consumers. We were feeding the customers hoping to earn the right to pour Jesus into them and pour the gospel into them. Am I right? See, when Christians... When Christians don't have a heart for non-Christians, then the non-Christians don't have anyone who's investing for them to meet Jesus Christ. I served at a church one time. And I was serving as a youth pastor. And it was budget time. And I asked for a very large sum of money to do youth ministry with because the youth group was about 10 or 12 kids in a county of thousands of kids. And like it or not, it cost money to do ministry. It cost money to do ministry. 
And it can cost a lot of money to do youth ministry. And so I asked for this very large amount of money in the youth request, and, and I, I reckon I caused a great stirring in that congregation. Great conflict. No one had ever in their life heard that type of money attached to youth ministry before. And I had this one... Trying to be Christ-like here. I had this, uh, oh man, I want to say some words. I really do. I had this person. Somebody said person. We'll go with person. If, 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 I don't even know that he qualifies to be called a person. I think he's, I like that word, came to me and just got right with me, had me cornered in an office. About halfway through the conversation, I noticed the only way out of the office was past him. And he was a lot smaller than I was. And I I began imagining Noticed the trash can in the corner. I thought about taking the garbage out. But the Lord wouldn't let me. He let me know quickly that He gave His money to His church to take care of their youth. And it was not meant for anyone on the outside of their organization. He was the same person that when me and the senior pastor went before the entire church to remind them of the Great Commission and how that we should go into the highways and hedges and compel lost people to come in and and how that we should go out and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all things that the Lord has commanded us. He wanted to know, was we going to take a vote on that? I resigned that week. I resigned that week, did I not? I ain't going to be a part of that. That's, that's demonic. That is demonic. We are partners in the gospel. And everything I have and everything you have is what God has given us. And we're so scared that God won't replenish what He's given us that we... Get all we can, can't all we can get, and sit on the can. And where does that leave room for God to show up and show out? Did you know, if you didn't get a stay for our membership meeting last week, was it last week or week before last? Last week. It just won't stop. It just keeps getting gooder and gooder. And gooder. Now, we don't have a million dollars in the bank. But we've got a lot of money in the bank. And Michelle and I and Wanda was here yesterday 
cleaning the building, and Michelle says, I keep mopping the bathroom floor in the women's bathroom, and it still keeps getting wet, and I don't know what's happening. And she come back a few minutes later, and she said, I found out what's happening. It's coming out of the roof. And looked up, and the panel was just fixing to burst and break. Well, it turned out to be minor, 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 minor fix, minor fix. The heating and cooling unit up in the uh, roof, the the where the water runs away through the exhaust had stopped up, so it was emptying out upon top of the floor up there and running into the women's bathroom and making a mess. So I'm in there, and and uh, Jim and Marvin and Kim show up. They'd been out doing mission work in the community yesterday. And I'm sweating and I'm aggravated. Jim said, let me show you something. He said, look at this. There's a picture of three men smiling from ear to ear, holding one of those gigantic checks up. And it said, made to the order of Monterey Mission Center, $15,000. That's what I said. That's what I said. Now, the truth of it is that money is going to be split in half, but we received $7,500 of that money. And guess what? We don't need the money. But we need the money. Brother Steve, what do you mean by that? We've got enough money in there to do Monterey Mission Center for months and months and months ahead. But God just says, hey, I just want to show up, show out, let you all know that I'm really in love with you all right now, and I just want to bless you some more. What a God. What a God. Now, folks, listen to me as your pastor. I've done this for 27 years. And if I've learned nothing else in 27 years of pastoring, I've learned this. God is good. And all the time. And you can't outgive Him. And when God starts putting resources at your disposal that you don't need, He's not saying there's a 100% chance of rain, you better sit on that and hang on to it. Here's what He's saying. Oh man, I almost had a running spell right there. (laughs) Here's what He's saying. You are mine. And I am yours. And I've given you a vision. I've given you a purpose. And Monterey is lost and they need Jesus. You've got the gospel. You've got the resources. Go. You hear me, church? Go. Now this is the way ministry works. And this is the way the Holy Spirit works. And here's the way God works. It It comes in waves. There's an ebb and a flow to it. And when God is sending it, God is saying, invest it. Because there's more than that that I'll send your way as you invest it. Can I get an amen? I'm not saying blow money. Here's what I'm saying. Get on your knees, get on your face before God, and say, God, with what you are sending our way, how would you, how would you like for us to strategically Go into Monterey and make Jesus Christ known. God, it's, we're your church, we're your people, these are your resources. We want to follow your vision and your plan. God, send us. Here we are. We will go. Can I get an amen right there?
That's what that's all about. God is at work in Monterey, and God is at work at Hope in Christ Fellowship. You say, well, how can I get more involved? Hope 100, 200, 300, and 400 will show you God's vision that God has given us and show you and teach you how to get involved and get busy in the kingdom of God. Okay? Prayerfully consider starting right there. Get involved. Secondly, secondly, folks, we've got to encourage all of our congregation to get serious about faithfully attending our worship services and our Bible studies. I, I, don't, I, do, I do not understand. I've wanted to do this for years, and I know it just is not the right thing to do. What if next week I just decided I'm just going to take a day? Would you folks be encouraged by that? No, be real. What if next week me and Michelle just woke up and it was a little rainy and foggy outside and a little damp and, honey, let's just stay in today. And you all began to gather in. Where's Steve and Michelle? Don't know. I mean, is your response, oh well? Is that your response? Why not? Are y'all going to start calling? But Steve, uh, but don't know if you know this, it's Sunday morning. Yeah, we're taking the day off. Is that okay? Why not? Lord's Day. We're counting on you. Well, God's counting on you too. And it's the Lord's Day for you too. Why is the Lord's Day such an option to so many people? I mean... It's proven through most Christians that God is still a miracle-working God. You can be past going on Sunday morning, and you can't get out of the bed. And sometime between Sunday morning and Monday morning, there is just a healing that falls from heaven. And you jump up and shower and eat breakfast and jump in your vehicle, and you're at work, and you work eight hours, and all is well. Or school. Steve, I hope you heard today. I ain't feeling good. That's Sunday morning. Monday morning. Praise God. Let's go to work and make another dollar. So if it ain't okay for me and Michelle to live like that, why is it okay for you all to live like that? In addition to being involved, invest. 
invest. Now, Sandy, I need you to back me up on this. I don't know who gives in this church, and I don't know who doesn't give in this church. Can I get an amen? Clueless. I've been like that ever since I started pastoring. I don't know who the givers are, and I don't know who the givers aren't. Because I don't think a pastor needs to know that. Because the devil will come in and let that skew your treatment of people. And I'm not living that way. But based on our giving, I just don't believe everyone that attends here tithes. I want to invite you to begin tithing to the Lord. New Testament giving says, on the first day of the week, you and the Lord get together and talk about it and work it out and decide what you're going to give. And you bring that to the Lord's storehouse and you give that to the Lord to fulfill the vision of Hope in Christ Fellowship. I'm going to invite you to do that. If everybody that called this place home tithed, do you know what we could do in the kingdom work of the Lord Jesus Christ? Be unbelievable. Get involved. Get involved. Invest. And invite. Do y'all see any empty chairs in here? Now think on this. You, you, y'all are looking at me like, y'all, you, you, you just mean this morning, preacher. I don't know who that is, but our preacher ain't mean like that. You just mean. No, folks, I'm just telling you the truth. And, and if we will all hear the truth, remember what Paul said, you know, what you've seen and heard, and let's do this together. If we will all get involved, and if we will all invest, and if we will all invite, let me just ask you a question. When was the last time you brought someone to church with you? You know, if we just kind of threw it out there today, that next weekend that we was going to do everything in our power between now and next Sunday to get at least one person to come to church with us. What would the landscape look like in here next Sunday morning? It would. And then we'd get full and that would create a problem and then we'd have to do something about that, wouldn't we? But if that's what God wants, then where God guides, God provides. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me invite you this morning to love God with your obedience. Be involved, invest, and invite. Number five, we'll finish up with this. Love God with your words. Love God with your words. He said, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, with your spirit forever and forever. Amen.
Here he closes this incredible letter by saying, Greet every saint in Jesus Christ. The brothers who are with me, they're a family. They're a family. He, he uses that word brothers on purpose. We need to build relationships. We need to build relationships. We open our Bibles to learn. We open our hearts we open our lives to love so that lives and legacies are born and transformed. That's what we do as a church. The brothers who are with me greet all the saints, greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Do you know who Caesar's household were? They were slaves and servants of the government. What Paul was saying is, don't overlook anyone. Don't overlook anyone for any reason. Everybody needs to hear the gospel. Everybody needs Jesus. Regardless of who they are or where they're from or what they've done or what they're currently doing, everyone needs to hear the gospel. Do not, do not, do not ignore anyone. Do not overlook anyone. When Paul met Jesus Christ, who was he? He was a, a, a religious zealot. He was a terrorist. He was a modern-day terrorist beheading Christians. What do we call people today over in the East who are beheading Christians? What do we call them? Do we want them to go to church with us? Yeah. We want to tell them about Jesus. We want to see them saved and we want to spend eternity with them. Because that's who Paul was. The guy writing this letter. This is him. And God saved him and God changed him. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. God's grace is sufficient for all of your needs and all of my needs. God's grace, His affection, His devotion, His humility, His kindness, His love, His mercy, His provision, His presence. God desperately wants us to receive this word today, folks. And I understand it's been a little, it's been a little edgy today, hasn't it? Had a little bite to it, hasn't it, today? Made you feel a little uncomfortable today, didn't it? That's called being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation results in change. Say change. So we can't grow to be more like Jesus if we stay like us. Can I get an amen? And, and, and most, people, most people have trouble with change. Can I get an amen? But does God want you to change? Is anybody in here just like Jesus yet? So we all got room to grow. People needs Jesus. People needs Jesus. Christians need to be like Jesus. 
And the only way for us to attract non-Christians to Jesus is for us to look just like Jesus and talk just like Jesus and live just like Jesus and love just like Jesus. Can I just mention as I close that Jesus was homeless. Jesus owned the clothes he wore on his back. Jesus was poor. What little money Jesus did earn, his his accountant, his pretend friend Judas, was stealing from him the entire time he was in ministry. Now, there's two camps today when it comes to theology about money. There's the prosperity gospel and there's the poverty gospel. The prosperity gospel says God wants every Christian to be filthy rich and don't you settle until you become filthy rich. And that's a lie. And the poverty gospel says God wants you to give away everything you've got and live like a pauper and it's only then will God truly be happy with you. And that's a lie too. God doesn't care if you earn a living. God doesn't care for you earning a living. But I do believe God wants us to invest in His kingdom. And I think God wants us to live humbly. I don't think... I think God, God is not opposed to us owning a house and owning a car and owning clothes and having food to eat. But I think God does oppose us building up and building up and building up and building up and building up when there's great needs all around us. And He's blessing us for the purpose of empowering the vision. And here's what I know, church. I just want to encourage you. You cannot outgive God. You can't outgive God. The more you invest, the more God will invest. And the more you invest, the more God will invest. And the more you invest the more God will invest. Get involved, invest, and let's invite people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for the book of Philippians. Every word of the book of Philippians we're thankful for. God, today has been very challenging. Challenging for me as a person, as an individual. Challenging for me as a pastor and and challenging for everyone here and everyone watching through Facebook. Father, we know that Paul was pouring his heart out to the church at Philippi. And he wasn't just speaking of notions, he was speaking from experience. He had learned the secret of joy, and his secret of joy was that he had Jesus and Jesus had him. And he had all of Jesus and Jesus had all of him. And Paul knew what it was like to be in want, and Paul knew what it was like to be in abundance. 
but he was content in just having Jesus. Because of that, he had a peace and he had a joy that was beyond comprehension. And he lived in that and he walked in that and he encouraged others to be saturated in that as well. And Father, that requires change and I pray that you give each and every one of us today the power and the strength and the wisdom to submit to change. Well, we're so thankful for Hope in Christ Fellowship. We're so thankful for our congregation. We're so thankful that you're growing us and you're taking us places that we never knew we could be and go and do and accomplish these things for your kingdom's sake and for your honor and your glory. And you're blessing us so richly in so many ways, Father. And we know that it's to invest in our community. Help us to follow you as you go into this community and love on them and call them to repentance and call them to Jesus and salvation. Father, do the work that only you can do today in the precious, wonderful, mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us this morning?